0: Hey, Crispin here on the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Today we have audio from our Sunday morning service in downtown Covington on Sunday, October 3rd. This is kind of continuing in our series on prayer where we're going to specifically spend the next few weeks looking at the Lord's Prayer. So this is kind of the intro to this sort of sub-series uh, that falls in the series on prayer that we've been doing for the past few weeks just a reminder that we have our Alpha Course introductory dinner kicking off this Tuesday night 6.30pm we will be converting our church into a restaurant with live jazz and shrimp etouffee and uh, it's going to be a good time so if you have anybody that you can think of that might enjoy the Alpha Course bring them on out love to have them Also, I will, after taking a couple of weeks break from the devotionals that we post online, I will be posting those up this week as well. So you can check back on those. A number of people have been asking me where the devotionals are. I just had to take a break. Uh, Too much stuff going on. So I'll have those back up starting tomorrow morning. So anyway, let's head to the talk. This is the prayer of our Lord. Thanks for listening.
1: Well, we've been in a, a uh, series for the last several weeks on prayer, and uh, last weekend we did kind of an alpha promo, but um, the weekend before that I did a message on uh, Jesus' words on prayer, His teachings on prayer, and specifically from Matthew chapter 6, and it's the words that precede the Lord's Prayer. Now, the Lord's Prayer, or the prayer of our Lord as I put it on the screen today, uh it's one of those prayers that I got to be honest in the first few years of being a Christian and kind of non-denominational churches, it wasn't something we ever prayed much. You know, I actually had to get around some, uh, you know, people from more liturgical traditions, but I'm like, you know, I've found particularly in the last few years, the Lord's Prayer is a a huge thing in, in my own personal life. Uh, and whether it's whether using the Lord's Prayer as a a format for prayer or even just as a prayer in and of itself So I've, I think it's going to be a cool thing to just maybe camp out on the Lord's Prayer for a few weeks And we're just going to go through this kind of line by line And uh, so today we'll be kind of dealing with the the first line uh, and kind of an overview of the Lord's Prayer Now the, the first line of the prayer actually we got the slide here let's let's read the slide. Let's pray this together out loud. I, I, I you know everybody's got different versions of this prayer so we'll, we'll we'll all look at the same prayer and pray it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This prayer, particularly the first uh, verse, uh, the first line of it, Our Father in Heaven, is is a very powerful statement. I, I did a uh, teaching on this line probably about six months ago, and only about half of y'all were here back then, so uh, it'll be news to some people. No, uh. But that teaching, I talked about you know, how you know, one thing that's been very central to the vineyard movement is this idea of intimacy with God. If, if, if perhaps if vineyard is new to you, even the worship songs that we sing may be very different for you. Maybe you grew up in traditions where you sang a lot about God, and you get around here and we sing to God. As children we come with arms open wide so desperate for you. We're, we're actually singing to God, not just singing about Him. Nothing wrong with singing about God. But that one of the central things in the Vineyard Movement from, from its early days was this idea of being connected with our Heavenly Father, being in that family. And that idea in and of itself is a very powerful thing. I got to tell you, the way I start off my days, I, I've tried to get in the habit of this in recent years. I'll, I'll let my first thoughts in the morning when I'm just beginning to be slightly coherent i'll begin saying the lord's prayer in my mind and particularly this first line i just camp out on it. i said our father in heaven and i just let that be my meditation for the first part of the day that that god i start off this day as your child in your family that that that's the starting point i'm loved by you unconditionally you start out at that point, it will begin to change your life. And that in itself of itself is a powerful thing. But I want to ask perhaps a, a slightly different question. What might have Jesus' followers heard when, when Jesus said our Father? When he actually encouraged his own followers to call God Father? Now, before I get into that question, I want to say one thing here at the beginning. Our Father is not just the starting point of this prayer. It's actually the goal of this prayer. The goal is to grow into what that means. For instance, what do I mean by that? Uh, the, The Apostle John wrote that we love God because he first loved us. And I don't believe that anybody comes to God apart from experiencing that love, that love of God that 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 He initiated, that He loved us when when we were all kinds of mess, just spitting on His name. He loved us, and we experience that love and that forgiveness, and and we begin to turn, our, turn turn our hearts. So that in a way, the love of God is the starting point, but it's also the destination, right? Because have you ever got to a point in your life where you find the unconditional love of God a hard thing to to wrap your mind around and your heart around? Like you just, you've read about it in the Bible, but you're like, I just, I don't get how God could love me unconditionally. And you struggle with that. So, So part of your Christian walk is growing into the revelation that you are loved by God as a son or a daughter. So our Father, it's the starting point. But we're going to spend the rest of our lives growing into what that means. I'm confident that if you ever saw a person that, that truly understood that, uh, they would not be shaken by anything. They would, they would live a, a, a whole different kind of life. And we get to taste just a little bit of that. So our Father, it's the starting point, it's also the goal. What was going on in Jesus' life... When he called God Father and asked his followers to do the same. See that word Father? I, I, I believe looking at the original folks that, that heard that word. You know, it wasn't a brand new concept at that time to call God Father. Actually, if you look back in the Old Testament, the word Father is used to describe God on a few occasions. So when Jesus actually uses that, it wasn't a common term, but it had been used before. So I think when Jesus used that term, it actually brought his original hearers who were Jewish people who followed the Torah, the Old Testament. It brought them back to other instances of that in Scripture. You know, the first instance of that in Scripture occurs all the way back in the book of Exodus, chapter 4, 22 through (laughs) <laughs> 22 through 23, Israel, the children of Israel, Hebrew people were, had been captives under the slavery of Egypt for hundreds of years. They, they had forgotten what it was like to even be free. There was nobody among them that had ever lived free. It, it had become entrenched. They'd become entrenched as, as a working slave class in Egypt, and God raises up for them one by the name of Moses as a deliverer. And God sends Moses to talk to, to Pharaoh. And Moses comes into Pharaoh's court and he says, This the message of God he says, Thus says Yahweh, Israel is my son, my firstborn. Let my people go that they may serve me. See, for Israel, To call God Father was to hold on to the hope of liberty. The slaves were called to be sons. When Jesus tells his disciples to call God Father, those with ears will hear what he's trying to say. Those who have ears to hear will understand what Jesus is getting at. He wants us to get ready for the new exodus. We are going to be free at last New Testament scholar N.T. Wright wrote it this way. He said, The very first words of the Lord's Prayer contain with them not just intimacy, but revolution. Not just familiarity, but hope. See, it's a wonderful thing to call God Father and, and to, to experience the intimacy of, of, of knowing God in a personal way and, and realizing that, that wherever you are in life, you, you don't need a, a priest or a mediator to get you to God. You can, you, you can actually step into the reality of being a child of God, and you can come with arms open wide to God. That's amazing. But the word our Father, it also contains with it Revolution. The slaves are called to be sons. So we see this, this, the first time that the word father is introduced in the Old Testament, the, the concept of God as father, it's linked with God setting his people free and leading them into the new exodus. We see this developed when God talks to David. God makes a promise to David that from his family there would be a child who would rule over God's people and whose kingdom would never be shaken 2 Samuel 7.14, he says, Of this king, I will be his father, and he shall be my son. Again, we have this idea of God as father. God developed the, the, this idea is developed even more as this promise is extended, not just to David and, and the Jewish people, but it's extended to all people. In Isaiah, this promise is extended. If anyone is thirsty, let him come. And drink, and I will make with him an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. So Jesus, when he introduces the Lord's Prayer and he says, pray this way, he's picking up on all these resonances that have, have been there in the Old Covenant, in the, in, the, in the Torah, that all these people, the stories that they would have been reading and praying, he's picking up on that. And he's, he's telling his people, you... You guys are the liberty people. You are the messianic people. See, the common question that would have been asked at that time is, (laughs) you know, when (laughs) is the tyranny of evil going to end? You ever find yourself asking that? (laughs) They were asking, when is Israel going to be free? Most Jews knew it in their bones because they celebrated every year the Passover. And the Passover commemorated God setting them free from slavery under the old, uh, the bondage in Egypt. And so this was part of their rhythm of their year. They would celebrate the Passover, how God had once heard their cries and delivered them. They would be reminded of it when they sang the Psalms of David each week, when they prayed the, the prayers from the Old Testament. They would be reminded that freedom would come when God would give them a new and final exodus, not just from Egypt, but a new way. Many believe this would happen when the Messiah would come. We sang that song this morning, Jesus Messiah. Messiah was the hope that that, that they had lived for under the old covenant, that God would raise up somebody like Moses. Who delivered his people, that that somebody would rise, be raised up, who would actually lead them into another exodus. The very first words of the Lord's Prayer say, Let it be now. Let it be us. Father, our Father. See, spiritual depth and renewal in the Christian life, they really come in a larger package, and that package itself is about being delivered from evil, about the return from exile, about having enough bread, about God's kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. See, Jesus was taking an enormous risk of saying that this package was coming through his own work, and all of that is contained in the word Father, used in this way in this prayer. See, for Jesus, using the word Father this way was, was a good wager on his vocation, It meant that he had to leave the security of his own home, Mary and Joseph. He had to leave his comfort zone, his family, his familiarity, his job, because God was calling him to a new vocation. He himself, the carpenter, would take the wood and the nails and accomplish the real exodus, the real defeat of evil. See, calling God Father for Jesus was not... Simply comforting or reassuring, as it is to many of us, it contained the ultimate personal challenge. And that's why Jesus called out Father in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he's taken, you know, to to, to face the cross. See, if you read the Gospel of John, you'll find this concept pops up all the time of the apprentice son, See, if you grow up in that day, that day and in age in, in, you know, Israel, what would happen is you would learn the family business by apprenticing under your father. Now that's why Jesus says in the book of John, he says, I only do that which I see my father doing. The son can only do what he sees the father doing. The son can only say what he hears the father saying. This is, this is the imagery of apprenticeship. So you would learn the family trade that way. We run into, when a a son runs into a problem with his job, (laughs) with what he's apprenticed to do, what's he do? He checks back with the father and he finds out, am I getting this right? I've kind of run into an obstacle here. Is this the way you do it? You actually find in in Hebrews 5, 7 through 9, Jesus states that, that the son... Meaning Jesus learned obedience by what he suffered. See, Jesus, like us, went on learning what it actually meant to call God Father. And the process was not complete until he opened up his hands and said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. See, most revolutions throughout the history of the world breed new tyrannies, don't they? The Who had a song called They Don't Get Fooled Again, or We Don't Get Fooled Again. Remember that one? The opening lines of the song is, meet the new boss, the same as the old boss. And that's typically the way stuff works throughout history. I remember when I was over at SLU, I was a history major, so I got to study a lot of of history books. And uh, I remember studying Russian history. Pretty interesting. But the Russian people, they spent... A long time under the tyranny of czars, it was, it was pretty oppressive. And then the communists come along, and they have the Bolshevik Revolution. Everything's going to be different. But was it different? No. The new boss was just like the old boss. It was tyrannical. It was upsetting. The father's revolution, the revolution that Jesus was about, isn't like that. And that's why at the end of the prayer, the Lord's Prayer, we pray to be delivered from the great tribulation. And that's why Jesus even encouraged his followers in the Garden of Gethsemane that night to to pray that they would be freed from the trial, they'd be spared from it, from the same tribulation. See, this revolution comes about through the Messiah and his people sharing and bearing the pain of the world, that the world may be healed. This is the kingdom message. See, calling God Father is the great act of faith, of holy boldness. Saying our Father isn't just the boldness of saying, hey, Dad. (laughs) It's the boldness of walking to the presence of God Almighty and saying, may I, too, be considered an apprentice son. It's the boldness of saying, God, can I be considered an apprentice, son? Not just the intimacy of of knowing that you love me unconditionally, but can I consider myself an apprentice at at, at the work of the kingdom? Will you let me be a part of that? means signing on for the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus meant when he says, gave us this prayer. He says, as the Father sent me, I send you. See, we live between, there's a, there's a term that I heard in the vineyard years ago, we live in the now and the not yet. We live between the first Advent, you ever heard the word Advent, we're going to celebrate Advent in a couple of months, it's Christmas season. Advent simply means the first coming of Jesus. The second advent will be when Jesus returns in all his glory. And we live between the now and the not yet, between what Jesus initiated on the cross and what he will one day finish when he shows up again. We live in the tension. We live in the tension between what Jesus initiated in his earthly ministry, death, resurrection, and the kingdom fully coming in power and glory. But this is exactly what Christianity about is about, living in the tension, holding on to the pain of the world and bringing it before the Almighty God. See, the Lord's Supper, which we're going to celebrate here this morning and all these nice cups that I brought, uh, it captures this tension. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. 26, he says, As often as you break the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim, you announce the death of the Lord until he comes. What we're celebrating this morning when we break the bread and drink the cup, we're, we're, we're celebrating Jesus' decisive victory then, and we're looking in hope to what he will ultimately do. So we come in the Lord's Prayer for our daily bread, but also for our heavenly bread. We come for our daily forgiveness, but also for our final forgiveness. We come for our daily deliverance and our ultimate deliverance. We come to celebrate God's kingdom now, and we pray for it soon. This is what it means to call God Father. See, when we call God Father, we are called to step out as apprentice sons into the world of pain and darkness. The temptation is, you can find plenty of preachers preaching a message right now that you just turn on the TV. You can find plenty of people out there who preach a message that all God wants is for you to be happy and comfortable And we can get this idea sometimes that that God just wants, that that true Christianity is just isolating ourselves from the the pain and the suffering of the world and building a nice place where there's no evil around us and where things are nice and cozy and comfortable. But that's not what it means to be an apprentice son. Why do I say that? Because Jesus is the ultimate apprentice son. And Jesus, Jesus didn't invite his followers to, to go out in the middle of nowhere and just set up a nice, comfortable place where they could talk about the Scriptures and sing Kumbaya. Jesus engaged the outcast, the hurting. He, he, he embraced the pain and the suffering of the world, and he brought it before his heavenly Father. See, ultimately, this is the real pattern for Christian spirituality. It's not the selfish pursuit of spiritual advancement like I just need to, to grow more spiritually myself, and it's not the escaping from the pain of the world. It's living in the tension. As we stand in the presence of the living God with the darkness and pain of the world on our hearts, praying that he will fulfill his ancient promises, and implement the victory of Calvary and Easter for the whole cosmos. In that moment, as we bring the pain and suffering of those around us, we will find that our own pain, our own suffering is dealt with as well. See, I, I spent way too many years in my Christian experience thinking it's just about me and God and me dealing with my issues. And, 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 and what I've found is that To be an apprentice son is to be kind of a a wounded healer, so to speak. You ain't got everything together. (laughs) If you're coming to this church for a pastor who's got it all together, you're going to be disappointed. (laughs) But it's God using you in spite of that. And you find as God uses you in spite of that, He begins taking care of your pain and your suffering. It's wrapped up in the redemption, what God's doing for others. Many people try to make that the pattern of Christianity, though, that it's just about self-help and getting your own life right. It's not. It's about what God's doing. It's a rhythm of standing in the presence and pain of the world and kneeling in the presence of the creator of the world to bring those two things together in the name of Jesus by the victory of the cross, living in the tension of the double advent, and to call God Father. Father. So, as we pray this prayer this week, as we pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, keep in mind, as you pray that, to step into the reality of what these original hearers probably heard in their own hearts. It's not just about the love of God as unconditionally as a father, it's about the work that God wants to do in this world. To say our Father is to step into the mission of that God has for Jesus and for every one of us gathered in this place. I want to invite the band back up here. Well, let's celebrate communion this morning. As we do this, I just want to, as apprentice... Sons and daughters of our Father in heaven, that that we we come right now and we bring whatever pain, whatever suffering that we might be in the midst of right now, not just us personally, but, but those we're connected with. We bring them before the one who was broken for our healing, the one whose blood has torn down every wall, we could be reconciled. So Jesus, right now, we take this bread as a symbol of your body broken for us that we might be healed. That we might, God, every every fragmented relationship and disconnect in our life, we might be reconciled to you. So we take this now, in Jesus' name. And Lord, we take this cup, the cup of the new covenant written in your own blood, Lord. Your blood that speaks a better word Over our lives than anything else. We thank you for it's by your blood that we are part of this new covenant, this new work that you've initiated. Lord, we remember your sacrifice this morning and we look to the day when you will return. Lord, as apprentice children, we stand thanking you for our daily bread. Our freedom, our forgiveness today, and for our ultimate fulfillment when your kingdom comes in fullness on earth as it is in heaven. So it's from this place that we drink this cup. Why don't y'all stand with me and let's sing this song?